This is your Kanabic County Sheriff's Report with Kanabic County Sheriff Brian Smith right here on Q Media's On Demand. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. And you had a nice Easter, I hope? Yeah, it was very nice. Good to get together with family, so great, right? But, but yeah. It was good. yeah, exactly. It was good day with family. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, after the last couple of years, I think... You know, and not saying that we won't have ups and downs still dealing with this uh, crazy virus, but for the most part, you really stop and are extra thankful, uh, especially, of course, Easter is kind of a cool time anyway, but just to be able to be back together again and not be quite as concerned as we were before with some of the limitations that we had. So a good thing. for sure. Absolutely. So how much ham did you eat, or what did you guys have at your house? Yep, we had ham, and... I ate more than my share. Yep. Did uh, Here's the big question. Scallop potatoes, mashed potatoes, or cheesy potatoes? Cheesy. See, there you go. I'm telling you, <laughs> I love the cheesy ones too. Fred and I, and he made he made a really good au gratin recipe, you know. Mm-hmm. And instead yep. of using uh, milk in the recipe, I think it, he used cream, like heavy cream. Ha. Oh. Mm-hmm. That added mm-hmm. a nice little extra, I don't know how many calories, but, you know, Fred doesn't have to worry about right. calories. But anyway, that's another story <laughs> for another time. But I'm gl- so glad you got together and, and had a good time. I hope everybody did, enjoyed family. Uh, Brian, let's start out today. Let's find out. I'm hoping, I, I know you guys, calls to service is, is what you do. It's one of the main things. But I always liked it when the numbers are down. But where were we at this past week? Uh, we were back up, um, uh, about 220 calls for service. Okay. So it swung back up pretty quick. Um, we had eight new arrests, um, kind of across the board. I think one domestic, one DWI, um, uh, domestic abuse, no contact order violation, uh, drugs, and then the remainder was probation violations and failure to appear warrants type things. Okay. You know, while you're mentioning that, because this just popped in my little pea brain here to ask you about this. So when somebody has a restraining order or something like that put on, there's a couple things mm-hmm. that happen. Um, what I what I recall hearing is, let's say there's been something, divorce or something's going on, and so the one party says, I, I want to get a restraining order. Does some do you have to pay for that? I think maybe we've touched on that before, but isn't there different levels or how does that work, Brian? There are. There's there's different orders. Um, there's there's some that you don't even have to apply for. They they result like the I mentioned an ankle that's a domestic abuse no contact order. That's an order that's placed um, after an arrest um, between two parties. So the judge is is making that order okay. whether anybody requested it or not. Um, not uncommon in a, a domestic assault type case. Um, the, the there can also you can also get one with out any charges. So nobody's committed a crime, but there there's obviously domestic abuse going on um, at, at some level, and there's fear. So you uh, someone can come in and apply uh, for a no contact order. Um, and that, uh, those are free, okay. so they don't cost anything. 
Well, then there's a, there's a different level, a third level, that's a harassment restraining order. And that doesn't necessarily have to be between um, significant others. Um, it could be a neighbor thing. It could be uh, just people at school or work or some, some sort of relationship, but not a domestic-type relationship. Okay. Um, and it's, if it's more of a harassment thing that somebody doesn't want to have contact with somebody because they're, um, they're being rude or crude or whatever, um, it, it kind of varies. But, um, but those, cost, those cost money. You have to file a, a filing fee for those. Okay. And that's what I was kind of wondering. So I remember hearing, I knew one of them, you know, there could be a fee and then there were others, different uh, criteria, let's say, for each situation. Yeah, yeah. And just yeah, and when you when when you go to fill or go to apply for one or, or request one, because they all go through the courts. They don't go through our, our office. We don't have any. Don't uh, we don't get involved in that until we have to serve that on somebody. Okay. So our 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 or enforce it, obviously. Um, but you go up to court administration um, in any court. You know, doesn't have to be this county, but it can be any county has the same process and you request uh that you want a restraining order and then they walk you through the process of which one is appropriate and um give you the application and then you have to fill that out with your information their information um and then an affidavit so you swear that um, what you're telling the courts is true and um the reason why you are seeking the restraining order Okay. And then my other question is it, and does it change from situation to situation? Like you, they have to be so many feet away. They have to, is there criteria that way too? That all depends on the, the it's a case by case. Okay. That's what I was wondering. And so that, that, yeah, that's all changed. Um, there, you know, sometimes that can be requested that there's a certain distance that you have to stay away from this person you know, or other residents. Usually that's the residence piece. Um, the, those are a little tougher sometimes, um, depending on where the people live. Um, obviously, if, if somebody lives uh, in one place and the, and the neighbor lives across the street, um, or maybe right even next door, uh, we've had those, um, you can't, the, the judge is not going to make them move out because <laughs> right. of a restraining order. Okay. So uh, there, there are limitations to what you can request. Okay. It just, it's kind of an interesting topic, and like you say, it, it really is case by case, and that if it's a court situation where the judge has made the determination is certainly different than if you have a dispute with your neighbor over something, for example. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. They can, get, they can get pretty complicated, and sometimes the... Uh, it's a struggle trying to enforce the orders because of the difficulty of distances um, um, and, and people try and push the limits on some of those things unfortunately and um, it makes it uh, it makes it difficult for everybody sure okay well just like I say I appreciate you explaining that Brian cause that's something when you brought up various things especially with the calls to service. I just thought it'd be interesting to kind of tap into that a little bit. Um, I did want to ask you today, too, because yesterday was 420, 
And uh, for some folks are like, well, who cares? I mean, today is 421. There's no big designation, right? But right. 420 does have some meaning behind it. Uh, and they say, for those not as familiar, uh, it originated in 1971. There were some Raphael High School students that went to a high school there. And they devised a secret code which they used to indicate to each other that they would meet later in the day to smoke cannabis. After saying 420 to each other and passing in their school hallways, they would then meet at 420 in order to smoke cannabis. So that's kind of where that mm. came from. Now there's that, a whole uh, thing. I didn't, even know, I didn't even know that. Really? I learned something. Well, yeah. I feel special that I was able to <laughs> pass that along at a little Google search is how I came up with that one. But, you know, <laughs> around the country and whatever, there's a whole thing then surrounding cannabis on 420. Okay. So yep. what, I, what led me into that is just to find out, so if someone is driving, for example, and they're pulled over and they've been, they, you know, maybe it's obvious, maybe it's not, but how do you make a determination? That's usually pretty, that's usually pretty obvious. Okay, that's, and that's what I was going to ask. So kind of yeah. how does it work under those circumstances? We know what happens with a DWI, for example, or what the criteria is if, you know, there's alcohol that's been consumed. How do you kind of do the stuff with marijuana? Well, the marijuana stuff's a little tougher because there's no, we don't have a scientific test that, you know, we can get a test result back and that's been scientifically proven that, yes, you're impaired. Mm -hmm. So with the alcohol, there's what we call, it's called prima facie evidence. So that evidence is scientifically proven that, if you're above that certain level, so the level is 0.08 right now, right? Mm -hmm. If you're above 0.08, you are impaired. There's no argument to it. You don't have to do any other. You don't have to do any other uh, tests. You're impaired by law for at above 0.08. We don't have that with marijuana. There is no such test. Um. So what we rely on is we have to. Uh, rely on driving behavior and then the like standard field sobriety tests to show impairment. So the, the field sobriety tests work regardless of what the impairment is. But if obviously if you don't have proper balance and you can't focus on the tests, you can't drive. Mm -hmm. So we were, we would come up, <clears throat> make contact with the with the driver on whatever the stop was. Let's say it was speed. It's probably the most common. Um, and you smell the odor of marijuana. Um, then that's that's reasonable suspicion to dig a little deeper as to what's going on. You, are, you know, are you smoking? Um, do you have it in your car? Um, those kinds of things. And then might be asked to get out and. Um, do field sobriety tests, you know, one leg stand, uh, eye, uh, gaze and stagnus tests. So that's with your eyes. Um, and those are pretty, the, the, the gaze and stagnus is pretty accurate. Um, uh, we have a saying that the eyes don't lie. Um, so that's pretty, pretty standard when we get those tests and they, they are failures. And so when they do that test, is it you're following something, that kind of thing, or the pupils are enlarged, or do you know the specifics well, on that? Well, it's not so much the pupil are enlarged, but the nystagmus is a, is a tiny little jerking of the eye. Oh. Um, 
where it jumps back and forth. And a lot of times your eyes don't do it looking straight, but then when you start, you, you follow you follow a, a finger or a pen that's about eight inches in front of a person's face, and you you got to keep your head still, and then you follow the finger. And they go back and forth, and there's a certain speed you do that with, and there's all specialized training for all this, of course. Um, but then you watch their eyes as you're doing that, and there are certain degrees of of angle when they get so far out to one side. If the nystagma starts before a certain point, that's an indicator. Um, if there is nystagmus, that's an indicator. Um, and there's a horizontal and a vertical test, and they all have different indications. But what that nystagmus will do will indicate the, the presence of a um, substance okay. in your system. And it could be alcohol, it could be marijuana, it could even be prescription medication. Maybe somebody's, Correct. you know, that it's yep. Yep. whatever. There's some things they tell you not to drive when you're when you're taking them, for example. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. The pupils, the pupils are more indicative of harder drugs like narcotics. So those, your your the pupils will get really constricted or really, um, really open okay. when they shouldn't be. So. So when they talk about the eyes, <laughs> the eyes really do tell the, the story. The eyes don't lie. Yeah. Yeah, the eyes don't lie. Yeah. Yeah, there's, be... there's a lot of information there that you really don't have any control over. And that tells the story. And that's really good to know. I mean, this maybe sounds like a weird thing to say, but let's say that you've had one or two at home and you think you're going to run to the grocery store or whatever the case may be. Maybe you could try doing that test with your finger in the mirror and see what you, no, maybe not. <laughs> It would tell you. Let's stay know, home I don't today. Know if that would work. Maybe, maybe you're, maybe somebody else in the house could do it for well, you. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Of course, if they'd had some with you, then that's you know, that's probably not the best right. person to be doing the testing. But that is really interesting. I mean, I knew they did a test, but I didn't know what it was called, and I didn't know what they were actually looking for when they did that. You know, I yeah. figured it'd just be that somebody didn't keep up with the finger. They weren't, you know what I mean, going in front of their face. They weren't able to do things. Well, and sometimes, sometimes they're so impaired they can't do that either. Um, so they're so impaired they can't keep their head straight with, and just move their eyes. Sure, that give that's a real and good all point. Those, all those things, yeah, all those things are failures of that test. Sure, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. Well, and I know, I remember back in the day, especially one of the things that I'd heard they'd do is they'd have you, you know, recite back the alphabet from the end, you know, not from the beginning, but from the end. And I, I have to tell you, even right now, I'm like, okay, X, Y, Z. So Z, I mean, <laughs> I'm telling you, you know, some I, of that. I would struggle with, that was a test that I would never use because I could never, <laughs> that was hard for me on, on, on a sober day. I was so, going to say on a good day. Um, yeah, yeah, so... I never used that test, and that one was that kind of got phased out because it it was it wasn't super accurate. Um, you know, sometimes people that were very impaired could do that in a heartbeat. Right, um, funny uh, so, when you think about it. Yeah, yeah right. So <laughs> that was, just wasn't a super good test. Um, I mean, I mean it, it worked in certain cases, but it was it wasn't a good strong test where the like the when the gaze of stigma stuff came came out, that was that was a really that's been a really good scientific test, um, and very useful. So and we, I, we tend to rely more on that one than than even the 
the walk and turn and the, the one leg stand test. And one more quick question about this. So if you've been stopped, and I know that uh, our police facilities or co- counties, whatever, don't really have the the body cameras and all that. It just financially, it's not really doable for a lot of our area. But do they use the dash cam? Like, will the dash cam catch? Because yeah. I know, like, yeah. in a, so, if it ends up so in we, court, we right? Purposely, we, yeah, we purposely, pl- you know, do the test in front of a squad camera. Okay. So that can all be, it can all be documented um, on video. It makes it so much easier to prosecute the test, you know, the, right. the, the case. Because it's really obvious when those things are failing. It's like, oh, wow, holy smokes. Yeah, it doesn't you know, take long. You know, to... How could they be driving? Right, how could they be driving a car? Mm-hmm. And that is, yeah. but I just wondered how they did that. I figured there must be a way, because you do hear sometimes, well, or you've even seen something, you know, a Facebook thing, another state, whatever. They'll show yeah. somebody yeah. doing something real silly or whatever, and it is yeah. because they have that dash right. cam, and it catches it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and we've had the dash, we've had squad cams for, oh, man, 15 years, 20 years. Uh, maybe not 20, 15 for sure. Okay. Um. So, and that's just been standard. I mean, you, you do the test in front of the camera. There are rare occasions where uh, maybe maybe the weather the, the weather is so terrible that it's not really fair to do a test in, in terrible weather, like a blizzard or something oh, like that. Oh, sure, sure. Um, so we would actually, we didn't have other indicators that were pretty sure, but we still want to do those field sobriety tests. We would actually bring somebody into the, the jail and do them in either the the pre book room or the um, garage area and have them do it in a a nice warm dry place. So it makes it yes. So it makes yeah. I don't know what more fair. I don't know how else to say it, but well, you you still want that. You, you still want that evidence. Sure. You know, um, it, you, it's just part of that case. You know. And being it all, it all depends on it all depends on the what driving behavior you have, you know those kinds of things. Um, you know, sometimes you run across somebody and they're already in the ditch. We don't have driving behavior other than they went in the ditch. Um, and you know, there's always oh, a deer ran out in front of me. That's common. Um, so you have to you have to do some other things to establish that probable cause. And kind of make that determination. The officer on the scene in that case would have to just get have the person get out, all those things. You would be able to see things in real time then with them. Correct. Yeah, makes Correct. sense. So Absolutely. You're, and you're always picking up on indicators, and there's always odor involved and, and things like that, and slurred speech and bloodshot, watery eyes. and So, I mean, so there's a lot of indicators depending on the level of intoxication. Sure. Well, I'll tell you, it was just something, I, like I say, the 420 thing happened yesterday. I thought, I'm going to ask Brian about that because I know they've got, you've got to be uh, looking at a bunch of different things because they really don't have a test for it this time beyond what the officer sees. So it's just interesting. Yeah. That's all you I get can a say. Test, you can get a test that tells you you're positive or negative, and, but there's no scientific proof yet of um, this this percentage of uh, stuff in your blood is is going to impair you to the point that you shouldn't be driving. Right. We just don't have that. Yep. We have it with the alcohol, but not with with marijuana at this point or another right. substance. So. Right. Right. 
So then we would we would really have to rely on the those field sobriety coordination tests and uh, and driving behavior. You know, if you're behind a car, or or even you have a, somebody driving behind them, it doesn't even have to be the officer. It could be the person that calls in and say, "Wow, this person was really." Uh, scary on the road. They were they were over the center line and they were over the fog line and they were passing in in unsafe places. You know those kinds of calls. That's all documented. Um, we might have to call that person as a witness if it goes to trial. Um, but those are that's all evidence that we put into the case. Sure, to make that determination for sure. Absolutely. Correct. Yeah. Well, Brian, as always, see, we just, Brian and I don't necessarily plan much. We, we just, just ramble. We just, well, we just, <laughs> things come up in real time, and I so appreciate getting that information from you, Brian, and I hope our listeners uh, learned of something, too, today. In the meantime, my dear, because it is getting about that time, I better let you get working, and I'll continue what I'm doing here, but you and I will catch up a week from today, and we'll get to finally wrap up April here and hope for better weather getting into May, that's for sure. Sounds good. All right, sir, take her easy and stay safe. You've been listening to a Q Media Group production.